This is the Moira Pentecostal Church Podcast, providing you with sound biblical teaching. New content will be available every week throughout 2015. We hope that you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed by this ministry. Genesis chapter 24, 24th chapter of Genesis. When I come back from this overseas trip then, that first Sunday night we'll be praying for Rachel as she prepares, (laughs) if she makes it, taking back. (laughs) She's barking like a seal there, isn't she? And and, uh, so we're going to pray for her because she's heading off to Madagascar uh, from February to July and uh, we want to do that so that's going to be a good night and uh, Pastor Calvert will be here that morning, I'll be here but he'll be speaking on that morning so it'll be a good weekend. Paul James by the way will be the last Saturday, Sunday in February, all right? So, Sarah, that's just to help you. You're organizing your woman of worth. So that's the last Sunday, Saturday and Sunday in February. All right, Genesis 24. Now, Abraham was old and well advanced in age. The Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. So Abraham said to the oldest servant of his house, who ruled over all that he had, this oldest servant, Many commentators think that it was Eleazar who's mentioned in Genesis 15. But Genesis 15 is about 50 years before this, so it may or may not have been. It would be a very old man. Uh, but we'll call him Eleazar tonight. It doesn't really matter who it was. as the principles involved. So he said to the oldest servant of his house, who ruled over all that he had, Please put your hand under my thigh, and I will make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of the earth, that you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell. But you shall go to my country and to my family and take a wife for my son Isaac. Isaac was 40 years old. And his dad thought, it's time this boy was married. (laughs) Not just for that, but for the fact that this was his son of promise. And Isaac shall your seed be called and come. So it was imperative that Isaac found a wife. It was absolutely imperative that he found the right wife because from this marriage that would come, then would come Jacob, and from Jacob would come the 12 tribes of Israel. So this is a big issue. It's a big matter to the whole family. The servant said to him, perhaps the woman will not be willing to follow me to this land. Must I take your son back to the land from which you came? But Abraham said to him, Beware that you do not take my son back there. The Lord God of heaven who took me from my father's house and from the land of my family, and he spoke to me and swore to me, saying, To your descendants I will give this land. He will send his angel before you, and you shall take a wife for my son from there. And if the woman is not willing to follow you, then you will be released from the oath. Only do not take my son back there. So the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham, his master, and swore to him concerning this matter. Then the servant took ten of his master's camels and departed, for all his master's goods were in his hand. 
And he arose and went to Mesopotamia, to the city of Nahor. And he made his camels kneel down outside the city by a well of water at evening time. The time when women go out to draw water. Then he said, O Lord God of my master Abraham, please give me success this day and show kindness to my master Abraham. Behold, here I stand by the well of water, and the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. Now let it be that the young woman to whom I say, please let down your pitcher that I may drink. And she says, drink, and I will also give your camels a drink. Let her be the one you have appointed for your servant Isaac. And by this I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. And it happened before he had finished speaking that behold, Rebekah, who was born to Bethuel, the son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, came out with her pitcher on her shoulder. Now the young woman was very beautiful to behold, a virgin. No man had known her. And he went down to the well, and she went down to the well and filled her pitcher and came up. And the servant ran to meet her and said, Please let me drink a little water from your pitcher. So she said, See, she said, <laughs> These teeth have got to get them fixed. Drink, my Lord. Then she quickly let her pitcher down, uh, down to her hand and gave him a drink. And when she had finished giving him a drink, she said, I will also draw water for your camels also until they have finished drinking. How many people know camels can drink a lot? And 10 of them can drink an awful lot. So this is, a, this is something for her to say, isn't it? Think of the many times you'd have to go up and down those steps of the well to give all these camels a drink. I will draw water for your camels also until they have finished drinking. Then she quickly emptied her pitcher into the truck, ran back to the well to draw water, and drew for all his camels. And the man, wondering at her, remained silent so as to know whether the Lord had made his journey prosperous or not. He got what he asked for, but he's just wanting to be absolutely sure. So it was, when the camels had finished drinking, that the man took a golden nose ring weighing half a shekel and two bracelets for her wrists weighing ten shekels of gold and said, Whose daughter are you? Tell me, please, is there room in your father's house for us to lodge? So she said to him, I am the daughter of Bethuel, Milcah's son, whom she bore to Nahor. Moreover, she said to him, we have both straw and feet enough and room to lodge. Then the man bowed down his head and worshipped the Lord. And he said, Blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham, who has not forsaken his mercy and his truth towards my master. As for me, being on the way, the Lord led me to the house of my master's brethren. And so the young woman ran and told her mother's household these things. Let's stop there. I want to speak tonight about divine appointments. When I say divine appointments, I'm referring to those special moments, those occasions when God in his providence causes something to happen to you that was of his directing and his guiding. You may or even may not be aware of it at the time. Hindsight is always easier than foresight. But whether you're aware of it or not, God is aware and God knows. It may be a seeming chance encounter with someone. 
Like Jesus meeting the woman at the well. What an encounter that was. I don't need to give you the details of that. You know it so well. But what a life-changing moment for that woman. Every day for years she had gone to that well at evening time. But that day and at that moment was a divine appointment. And her life would be radically changed. Maybe it was that encounter that Zacchaeus had up the tree when Jesus came along and told him to come down. Today I must abide at your house. Of all the tax collectors in Israel, of all the people in that multitude, there was only one up a tree. And as we preached about that a few weeks ago, Jesus knew his very name. Knew who he was, knew where he was, knew what he was. But that was a divine appointment. Jesus passing by that way was not by accident. It was by design. Paul meeting Onesimus in prison of all places. Onesimus, the runaway slave. And imagine running away hundreds of miles from his master's house, ending up in trouble, ending up in prison, and ending up meeting Paul of all people who was a close personal friend of his master. What would be the chances of that ever happening? Except it was in the providence of God. It was a divine appointment. It's one of the sweetest, most beautiful stories in the New Testament. Such a short little story, but it's wonderful. One February evening, 1973, I went to church with my wife, Sally. I hadn't went very much with her. I used to promise her faithfully would go and then didn't go. And a big part of the reason was because when I went, I felt conviction and I didn't like that feeling. It was very uncomfortable and I knew what it was. Some people, you know, unsaved, they get convicted and they don't know what it is. I knew what it was because I was brought up in a Christian house. And the only thing really interested me in going to church was prophecy. That's the only thing I was interested in. And I'll tell you why. Because it was a logical thing to me. It's very logical. If I looked and saw all the prophecies about Jesus' first coming all came true, and there's a lot of them, and they all did come true, it's indisputable. You cannot deny it. And I couldn't deny it. Then logically, all the prophecies about his second coming, surely they must come true as well. And I was interested in each and every one of them. Fascinated me, scared the life out of me, but fascinated me. So Sally says, this weekend, pastor's going to preach on the second coming. And I thought, I'll go to that. I'm interested in that. And then towards the end of the week, she says, it's been changed. He was watching TV. He saw a pop singer that used to be in the 50s. He was on giving his testimony. And he rang up the TV station, talked to the man, and he's coming over. And I thought to myself, well, I'm disappointed because he's not going to hear about the prophecy, but... I mean, what harm can come going to hear a singer giving his testimony and singing some songs? I mean, what harm's in that? There'll be no conviction. It'll be an easy night for me. I'll just go along. Oh, please, Sally. And that'll give me a get-out-of-jail card free for me for that weekend. So I went along. Can't remember what he sang. Can't remember what he said. All I can remember was 
I sat there and the Holy Ghost convicted me to the core of my being. That's the only time that man ever came, either before or since. And if he hadn't have come over, I wouldn't have went that night because there'd be no preaching but prophecy. I would have no interest in going. The only reason I went because this is an easy night. That was a divine appointment for me. Now that guy had three top 20 hits in the late 50s. Then he hit hard times, really bad times. And then he came to Christ and then he started to go to churches and give his testimony and sing. And he went back to England again and never heard tell of him ever again. I checked up on the internet last night. He's still alive. He's 76. He's still singing pop songs. Imagine it's 76. Can you believe that? It's about as Cliff Richards. Oh, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> I don't even know if he's welcome to the Lord these days. I doubt it personally. But I know one thing for me, he was my divine appointment. That got me to that church that night because the Holy Spirit wanted to meet me and convict me and I got saved that night and I never looked back. (laughs) So it may be a, a seeming chance encounter. Those three encounters that Jesus had were not chance encounters. Sure they weren't. They were designed by God to touch somebody's life and change it. It could be a change of job for you. It could be a moving house. It could be a new career move. It could be sitting beside somebody on a bus. It could be meeting somebody in the supermarket or in Costa or Starbucks. But God could be in it and find a way to reach us and to touch us. Jesus must, needs, go through Samaria. He has to. There's a woman he has to meet. Jesus must go over Galilee and go to Gadara. There's a man living in the tombs that needs to be released from demonic power. He must go. Jesus must not go to Lazarus until he's four days dead already. Sometimes disappointments are God's appointments. Certainly for Mary and Martha, what a disappointment that he wouldn't come. But it was God's appointment. And they had a greater and a bigger miracle, didn't they? Who among us tonight qualifies for a divine appointment? Each and every single one of us, without exception. God is already working on your divine appointment right now. You don't know about it, but he is. And before this year is out, you will have more than one divine appointment. He's already working on it behind the scenes. And all we got to do is keep faithful and keep walking with him and we will find those divine appointments. Now, how can we become more prepared for them? more ready for them when they do come. First of all, acknowledge the Lordship of Christ over our lives. Believe that the Lord is actually directing your path, that he is in control of your life, that his providence 
is working out in your life. Believe that. Accept that. That's why we read Genesis 24. Abraham's servant was looking for a bride for Isaac. And the first thing he did was, and he did it throughout this story, he acknowledged his master. Some 19 to 20 times in that reading tonight, he mentions his master. He wanted to please his master. Everything else was subject to submitting himself to pleasing his master. It was all he talked about. It was all he thought about. And if we want to please our master, you can be sure we'll have divine appointments. He'll make sure that we do. Look what he said. O Lord God of my master Abraham, please give me success this day and show kindness to my master Abraham. Over and over again, he acknowledged his master. We need to acknowledge the lordship of Christ in our lives. Second thing he did, did he was he prayed for good direction. Now, this was no easy task. And this was a highly important task. So quite naturally, he prayed for direction. And we should be praying for direction in our lives too, shouldn't we? Somebody said that what you are praying for is a good indicator of what you're living for. Let that thought sink in a little bit. What you're praying for is a good indicator of what you're living for. What are you praying for? He was praying to please his master, to carry out his master's will. Verse 12, O Lord God of my master Abraham, please give me success this day. But his success was for his master, not for him. He wanted to succeed for his master's sake. And if we want to succeed for Christ's sake, that's the best thing, isn't it? That what we're doing, we want it to work and succeed for his sake. But then he wanted confirmation. You saw that in verses 13 and 14. This was way too important to get wrong. And so he did what many did in the Old Testament. Gideon certainly did it. I'm not encouraging us to do this, by the way. You don't see it really in the New Testament, but he put out a fleece, as it were. Let the young woman to whom I ask, can I have a drink from your pitcher? And if she says to me, yes, and I'll give your camels a drink, let her be the one. That was a big ask, wasn't it? We already said this is going to be a big job for this young girl. This is going to take a long time to do. And she actually suggested it, not him. She suggested it. And so he put out a fleece. God honored that. I'm not saying that we should do that. We've got the Holy Spirit to guide us. Somebody says you watch putting out fleeces in case you get fleeced. Heard about a young man, he said... Uh, he felt the Lord wanted him to go on the mission field. 
So he's telling his pastor about this. He says, Pastor, I really felt the Lord want me to go on the mission field, but I didn't know where. So he says, I prayed about it. And the next day, he said, I was walking past a sweetie shop, confectionery. He says, lo and behold, I found a lion bar. You know those chocolate lion bars? And he says, I knew immediately the Lord wanted me to go to Africa. The pastor says it's a good job he didn't find a Mars bar. <laughs> He'd have been in trouble then, wouldn't he? <laughs> it can be very subjective, finding the will of God. So you need to pray. You need to ask the leading of the Holy Spirit. You need to look to the Word of God. And oftentimes you need the advices of others. And so he wanted confirmation. Verse 27, I being in the way the Lord led me. Can be a couple of ways to look at that. I being in the way the Lord led me. It could mean I obeyed my master, I set out by faith, trusting, and as I went along in obedience, then the Lord led me. Or it could simply mean, as soon as I started out, that first step I took, I knew the Lord was leading me. No doubt about it, he would lead me. could mean that. Either way, the Lord was leading him. He trusted the Lord to direct his paths. Steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Amen? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lead not unto your own understanding. Oh. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. He wanted the confirmation. He was trusting the Lord. Old Henry Morris said, before he can lead us along the path, we must be on the path. Did you get that? Before he leads us along the path, we must be on the path. We must be actively trusting him to lead us. Verse 7, Abraham told him, he shall send his angel before you. The Lord has all kinds of ways to make that divine appointment for us. Should he send an angel? The Bible says, you know, sometimes we can entertain angels unawares. Just maybe we should go looking for these big mighty creatures to come into a room at midnight and scare the living daylights out of us if they did. But you just never know. God has got all kinds of ways to lead us to that divine appointment, to where he wants us to be and to whom he wants us to meet. Then be thankful and praiseful for God's divine appointments. Did you notice in verse 26 and 27, once he knew that this was the one, once he knew that, then the man bowed down his head and worshipped the Lord and said, Blessed be the God of my master Abraham who has not forsaken his mercy and his truth towards my master. He was thankful and he was full of praise. We just have come through the Advent season 
And we read the stories, didn't we? Of Mary and Simeon and Anna and Zacharias. And how that whenever, <laughs> whenever they got their divine appointment, what did they do? They praised God. They thanked God. And they burst into prophetic song. Mary's Magnificat is a wonderful prophetic song of the Lord. Full of praise and full of worship unto God. So we need to thank God for those moments. And whenever I was looking back to February 73, thinking about that guy coming over to the church, when I was thinking about that last night, I was thankful. I was thankful to the Lord for doing that for me. I was the only convert. In fact, I might have been his only convert for all I know. God can speak through an old donkey if he wants to. Not that he was an old donkey, but... But if God sent that man just for me, what a wonderful thing that would be. And so I was thankful for that. I should send him an email, shouldn't I? I really should. I should email the man and say, do you know when you came to Ireland in 1973, I got saved because I came to hear you. I'll not say I can't remember what you said or what you sang. I'll not say that. <laughs> you never know that might encourage the man. Might get him back on track again. God not only has the divine appointments for you, but he has you as a divine appointment for somebody else. Hmm. In Acts 8, Philip, the evangelist, was preaching in Samaria and God was doing miraculous things. People were coming to Christ. People were being mightily healed. Devils were cast out. The revival was in full flow. And God spoke and said, leave here and go to Gaza. I have a divine appointment for you. Actually, he was a divine appointment for the Ethiopian eunuch. You know the story when he got there. Here was this great man. Served the Queen of Sheba. He's sitting there in his chariot. He's reading the scroll of Isaiah. Philip said, do you understand what you're reading? No. Who is this man talking about, himself or somebody else? And Philip joined him in the chariot and he started immediately to preach Christ from Isaiah 53. The end result was he got saved, didn't he? Got water baptized. And then supernaturally, God removed Philip, took him away, just like that. For all those people who doesn't believe in the rapture, it says Philip was caught away. It's the same word that talks about what we believe is in the rapture. It's snatched away. It's seized away suddenly. 
and there was a eunuch, newly saved, water baptized, probably couldn't wait to get back to Ethiopia to spread the gospel. Philip was that man's divine appointment. You are going to be a divine appointment for somebody this year. You don't know that yet. You don't know who it is. It may seem like a chance meeting, but it will be in the providence of God. Esther had become one of the queens in that foreign land of that great king. But Haman hated the Jews. Anti-Semitism is as old as the Bible. It's on the rise today, by the way. All over Europe. All over the world. I was at the synagogue a few weeks ago. I was listening to a lady speaking who used to be part of the Knesset in Israel. She's very highly educated Jewess. Uh, brilliant speaker, great communicator. And she talked about the situation. And I can't go into everything she said. It would take too long. But she did say, you know, people say it's terrible what Israel's doing and they're killing people and all the rest of it. She says, what do you need to understand? She says, we are fighting for our survival. She says, we are surrounded by 400 million Arabs and one and a half billion Muslims. And she says, there's millions of them wants to destroy us. She says, please allow us to defend ourselves. Esther was in that position where Haman wanted to destroy the Jews. And Esther was in that place of privilege in the palace. So Mordecai, her relative, sent word to her in the palace, please do something about this. You're in a position of privilege and influence with the king. Do something about this. She sent word back, do you realize how dangerous this is? Because this is not my moment with the king at the moment. I just can't walk in unannounced. And if I did, and if he didn't hold out the golden scepter, it would mean... I would be executed. And so she was naturally afraid. Who wouldn't be? But listen to what Mordecai said. Mordecai told them to answer Esther. Do not think in your heart that you will escape in the king's palace any more than all the other Jews. For if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish yet who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this? Hmm. What wonderful wisdom. What prophetic words. She was in there as a divine appointment by God. Not just to save her family, but to save the whole nation to save a whole people. And she did. 
God had her in that place. And she went in before the king. He held out the golden scepter. And those of you who know the rest of the story, it's a wonderful story, isn't it? And how Haman hung on his own gallows because the Lord outsmarted him. So you can be the divine appointment for somebody else. Maybe you are the divine appointment for your family, for your relatives, for your loved ones. In 2 Kings chapter 5, it tells the, the lovely story of that little maid, how that Naaman, who was the captain of the host of Syria, second only to the king, and how they went out and raiding parties and brought back many captives from the land of Israel. And this little maid was one of them. So she became the maid to the mistress of Naaman. Now what would be the chances? And of all the captives in Israel, and out of all the soldiers in Syria, here's the greatest one. But he's a leper. And out of all the captives that he possibly could have chosen to serve his wife, there's this little one who believes God. And he's not angry or bitter against God because she's in captivity. He's compassionate towards her captor and said to her mistress, would to God that my master was in Samaria because there's a prophet there who would heal him of his leprosy. That was a bold thing to say, wasn't it? Just a little girl, an unnamed, seemingly insignificant little lassie in captivity and nothing and no name. But yet she was there as a divine appointment for that great general. And if you read the story, you'll see that how, remember you notice how he went and how the prophet Elijah didn't even come out the door to meet him and he thought he was going to wave his hand over him there's going to be a whole big show and Elisha just sent his servant out and said, tell him to go and wash in the river seven times. <laughs> he was raging, wasn't he? I mean, it was such an embarrassment. This is the great man coming with his whole retinue to be treated this way. And one of his servants says, yeah, if he'd asked you to do a hard thing, you would have done it, wouldn't you? Just a simple thing. Just go ahead and try it. And he went into that river and he dipped seven times. And he come up seven times. And his skin was like a baby's bottom. <laughs> Beautiful, smooth, totally healed skin. And if you read on that story, you'll see that man came to believe in the true and the living God. He says the God of Israel is the true God. And he said to Elisha, he says, can I take some earth from here because he offered Elisha all kinds of goods and money and gold and he wouldn't take it. He says, well, can I take some earth from here because now I go back and I'm going to build an altar to the God of Israel. But he says, forgive me this. He says, my master, the king, when he goes into his temple, his pagan temple, he says, he always leans on me and he'll bow and I have to bow with him. He says, could you forgive me that? I'll do it because it's my job but my heart's not in it. I'll worship the true and the living God. And that all came about by a little girl, a little maid, 
who was a divine appointment for that great general. You never know who you might influence. You just never know. You could touch somebody's life this year that could touch many other lives, like the pebble in the water. But you could be the one that God has chosen. The story is too familiar to recite it. But Joseph was a divine appointment for his family and for his nation. Brothers, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. In other words, God put me here for your sake. I'm here today as your deliverer. <laughs> Even though you wanted to kill me and you sold me into slavery and I was put in jail and was mistreated, but it doesn't matter because I realize now that that was the appointment of God to save you and to save our family. And in doing so, saving Israel. Divine appointments this year. They're going to happen. So it would be good if we're a little prepared, wouldn't we? It would be good if we even recognized it, wouldn't it? It would be good if we recognized it to say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for those that was my divine appointment this year. Thank you, Lord, for those to whom I was a divine appointment for them this year. You are going to be the answer to somebody's prayer this year. You really are. Rachel's going out this year. She's going to touch little lives. There'll be little lives that will be saved because where she's going. They don't know she's coming. She doesn't know who they are, but God's going to get them to meet. Be a divine appointment. So you're going to be the answer to somebody's prayer. You're going to be the supply to somebody's need this year. Somebody will cross your path and they'll need what you have. They'll need to hear what you're going to say and they'll need your prayer. Amen? So can we trust this year, this 2015, here's the first Sunday, can we truly believe that this year our lives is going to be shaped by divine appointments? Can you, believe, can you really believe that? Honestly, it's going to happen. And it'll be wonderful. It'll be great. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, as we come to the close of this first Sunday of the new year, we, we just want to say thank you, Lord, for the past year. And thank you, Lord, for an anticipation for all that you have in store for this year. So, Lord, we lay ourselves open for your direction. We say, Lord, our lives are on the altar for you. So whatever you want, and whoever you want us to meet, whatever you want us to do or go, where to go, Lord, help us to walk in your will. And we're going to trust that the steps that we take will be ordered by the Lord. And we'll give you the glory. So help each of us to influence somebody for the kingdom of God this year. Help us by our lives, by our lips, by our words, by our deeds, by our actions. Help us, Lord, to point somebody to Christ and see a transformation in lives and families. 
And so we commit ourselves afresh, asking for your hand to be upon us for good, leading us, guiding us, prompting us by your spirit, and help us to walk in your ways. And Lord, we'll be careful to honor you and give you the glory for it. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you for listening to this podcast. You can also watch the Sermon of the Month video at youtube.com forward slash Moira Pentecostal or even download the sermon video through our iTunes video podcast. For more information, visit us at www.mpc.org.uk.